Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Totally Football Show today. Midweek music in the Champions League. City on song. Milan put out a tune. And Man United with the worst performance in a group since Kerry Katona. We round up the final match day. Uh, one that saw Barcelona losing and Celtic winning. Then check out the Premier League weekend. Your Arsenal Brightons. Your Liverpool Man Uniteds. Your TV's unhealthy obsession with showing the Hammers Sunday lunchtime. All that and somehow still more in this Totally Football Show. Boom, and off we go with a brand new show. This one's coming to you from the morning of Thursday, the 14th of December. The dust settling on the last ever Champions League group stage around us as we're joined by Duncan Alexander. Hello. Charlie Eccleshare. Hello. And Raphael Honigstein. Hello. Hello, Rafa. So nice to see you. Well, it is nice to see you and you and you listener in a sense, really. Hmm. Charlie, we've got you for a good time, but not a long time. Let's make it count. All right. You're off to see Ange Postacoglu. Very much so. Right. And you're going to play a key role in this morning's press conference ahead of Friday night's clash with Forrest. What question are you going to ask Ange? Uh, it's a good question. I will... You haven't thought? No, I'll mull it over on the way there and have a, have a little chat with some of my colleagues beforehand. Right. Can't give it away now anyway. Yeah. He might be listening. Exactly. Exactly. Alrighty. Excellent. Well, so much to look forward to. I've got one or two questions myself prepared for this show, and they regard, to begin with, the Champions League, which this week had its uh, match day six with four places in the knockout stages still to be settled. Two Premier League sides sweating over their chances of springtime European fun. Uh, Tuesday, Man United... Their run came to an end with a whimper, beaten at home by Bayern. They finished bottom of the group. It's Copenhagen who goes through alongside FC Bayern, thanks to the Danes' 1-0 win at Parken over Galatasaray, who themselves take third. Hmm. Wednesday, Newcastle also finished bottom of the group, with Milan winning 2-1 at St. James's, but PSG going through with Dortmund after the 1-1 draw away in Germany for the Parisians. Hmm. Wild night of action across those two games. We'll come on to it very shortly. The draw for the last 16 is on Monday morning. There'll only be two English sides in it. Two. Crikey. City, who won 3-2 in Belgrade against Werner Svesda to make it six wins out of six for Pep's side. Ooh, goals from Academy graduates Micah Hamilton and Oscar Bob. And also their bright young prospect uh, Calvin Phillips. Arsenal also finished off in some sort of style. They had a 1-1 draw away at PSV Eindhoven. Both of those two teams are already through. And Lens taking third in that group. I mention that because it means that Sevilla, who got beaten with the bollard by Lens, are out of Europe altogether, not in the Europa League. Woo! Shock faces. Opens it up. Certainly does. Elsewhere, midweek, what else happened? Well, Napoli claimed their place in the last 16 with a 2-0 win over Braga. Porto also made it through, beating Shakhtar Donetsk. They'll be in the knockout stages the 14th time in the last 21 seasons, as Richard Pike points out. Thank you, Richard. Oh, that was quite a game, that, wasn't it? 5-3 against Shakhtar. Hmm. Oh, the other game in that group saw Antwerp, most improbably, beating Barcelona 3-2 with Spurs' very own Vincent mm. Janssen. Well, not very own, very own anymore, but you know, <laughs> one of their own, one of their own. Yeah, uh, he was on the score sheet. That's right. And also on Wednesday, Celtic, who hadn't won an actual Champions League game since 2017, managed to get a victory on their 16th attempt in a dead rubber at home to Feyenoord. Well done to the hoops. Let's concentrate on Premier League's making a mess of it. First time that two English clubs have finished bottom of a group in the same season. Previously, in fact, in the history of this competition, only three English sides mm. had ever finished in last place. 
Yeah. In a group. Blackburn, back yes. in the fighting each other era. Mm. Um, United did it, didn't they? United in that awful 05, group, 06. and there's about three goals in the entire thing. Mm. And then Man City in Man there. City? Yeah. Who'd have thought? Under Roberto Mancini? Yeah. Mm. Doing a runner's Roberto Mancini? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it is, I mean, I was thinking this week, what, what else could the Premier League do in the soon-to-be-departed Champions League group that they hadn't done before? And lo and behold, two teams finishing bottom. Well, Newcastle at least made a brave stab at it. And for a good half hour or so, I think, on, on Wednesday, we're going through in second place. Mm. It was quite weird, their approach, I thought, because they, they really went for it towards the end. I mean, it was great to watch because it was two teams just desperate to win, which you mm. don't often see. But... Um, they could have just taken that draw mm. and taken the Europa League. I was slightly surprised that they see they were playing as if they were going out with the draw. Yeah, which they weren't. They could, they could have sat back, taken the point, gone through but to the Europa League. But with a win, League. but a win would have got the Champions League, sure. Yeah. But I mean, what the way they so I can see why they wanted to win. Yeah, but they were playing as if it was but, all or nothing, which it wasn't. Oh. But maybe their medical staff were going, please, no Europa League, please. I do slightly wonder that. Like I, there are certainly some clubs I wouldn't put Newcastle in that bracket, but. There are some clubs whose supporters, anyway, would say I'd probably go out of Europe altogether rather than have a playoff for the Europa League knockout. I can imagine that with PSG not looking in any way dominant at Signal Iduna Park, although actually, now I say that, how many chances do they have? 18, I think. 18 shots. Mm-hmm. They look but they were PSGing it up, basically. They went behind, they did pull one back through the wonderful Warren Zaya Emery, but the draw meant that a victory for Newcastle, and they had their chances too. A goal line clearance from Tamori, the, the one off the crossbar on that. They did, but like the goal, I mean, the goal they conceded comes from Shah basically <laughs> bombing forward, you don't completely see vacating his position, and then they get counted on and concede. So they might be thinking now, oh, could we have, yes, gone for the win, but maybe not completely just chucked everything at the win. You right. rarely see a centre-half playing a 1-2. Yeah. So there, there it was. Still, when they were 1-0 up especially, maybe they could have reined it in a little bit after that thunderstrike from Joe Ellington. Having, I'm comparing this to their recent performances, though, when they looked dead on their feet mm. against Everton and Spurs, it was, it was a, a remarkably lively showing that they put in. Yeah, I mean, and they've still got so many games coming up because they're still in the um, League Cup as well. Hmm. So there's no respite for them. At least, I guess, they're getting a few players back. But no, it was a hugely entertaining game just because of that, that very unusual game state where both teams seemed absolutely just hell-bent on on getting a goal one way or the other. Hmm. What a moment at the end as well when Newcastle, desperate for an equaliser at that point, threw their goalkeeper up. Uh, Martin Dubravka racing upfield Hmm. to try and take advantage of a corner. The corner failed to go anywhere near him. Milan get the ball. All of a sudden, there's an empty net. Yeah. It was like an ice hockey game. Yeah, but Theo Hernandez, unfortunately, missed a shot. It was a really bad it shot. It was a really weird really effort. Bad. It was yeah. like, it reminded me of, you know, when fans at half-time can try and win a car <laughs> by hitting the crossbar. It was one of those. Uh, it wouldn't have made any difference, an extra goal for Milan, because with PSG drawing away in Dortmund, there was no way that Milan could take second spot. A draw... In Dortmund would have been enough had Newcastle got the win, but you know they didn't. I think Newcastle can at least go out with you know their heads held high. It was <laughs> it was a it was a brave first foray back into the Champions League, and mm. I think they'll all hope that they can can get back there. And I think maybe some other English clubs this week uh, can't say that. Although United gave us some of the most entertaining moments we've seen, it was entertaining. Credit to uh, TNT Sports for on Twitter just doing it. Here are all the goals Manchester United conceded in the group stage. Wow, how long did that take? It took a while. but well, it's 15. It's as many it as Chelsea let in in the Premier League in 2004 <laughs> <laughs> But it was, it was just a great, mm. great bit of content. Mm. I think the worrying thing about Newcastle is that they're so far away from their previous version last year where they were all about super tight defending, strong cohesion, teams found it so hard to, to to get behind them and now because the energy isn't quite there, because there's no substitutions, um, injuries, they are a bit of a soft touch and games are much more open and entertaining as a result. I mean, the game we both saw at White Hart Lane was, was great. But I asked Eddie how after the game, you know, how concerned was he that Newcastle are, are not really the Newcastle that we've come to respect last season. And he said, well, it's, it's just a case of the moment and injuries, etc. Mm. He didn't want to think that there's something fundamentally wrong. But 
worried a little bit about. They, they the did way also the benefit from not being in Europe last season and just having that one game a week routine. So maybe in the second half of the season, that coupled with players coming back, they can get back to that. All clubs will point to injuries and misfortunes, but there has been a particularly difficult set of circumstances for Eddie Howe and Newcastle as they. Well, as they dealt with this first Champions League uh, campaign in, in tw- do you think it's that or do you think that in they, some way tactically they got a bit drunk on well know, they got into the Champions League tier. too early I'd say like they didn't plan to be in it this season their squad isn't ready for it I don't think possibly Eddie Howe was ready for it they obviously had that that big win against a dishevelled PSG but that, that was the they looked a bit naive in, in other games um, you know people point to the to the, the penalty away at PSG, but I mean, again, how many chances did, did Paris create that night? XG so. of five almost. Mm. Yeah. Plus their their lack of recent European pedigree worked against them for the draw. They were mm. in the bottom seed and they got particularly bad group. So they are mitigating circumstances. Okay, mitigating circumstances for Man United, who were in a group mm. with Copenhagen, Galatasaray and FC Bayern Munich. So. Less so. <laughs> Although I think the group, in a way, was trickier than, than it looked. Because I think Copenhagen have qualified. They're a decent side. Mm. And so are Galatasaray with all the talent that they have. So it looked, I think, easier than it was ultimately. And you saw Bayern struggle in quite a few of those games. So I understand Ten Hag saying that um, perhaps it isn't a disgrace that it that it looks like to finish bottom. But of course, when you spend as much money as they have and have an aspiration to go back to where Man United used to be at the very peak of European football, at least for a few good years, mm. then, um, yeah, it's hugely demoralising. We'll talk more about Man United very shortly and their visit to Anfield this weekend. Newcastle, meanwhile, will have Fulham on Saturday, which could be interesting because Fulham are in some form at the moment, averaging four goals a game over the last four matches, and Kieran Trippier will be suspended for that match again at St. James's. Rafa, from the group of death, as it was dubbed, it is Dortmund and PSG who goes through. Dortmund's through as winners and PSG as runners-up. What did you make of PSG and their prospects? Mm, hard to get a real handle on them because going forward, they're actually quite exciting. There's a lot of pace, a lot of movement. They created lots of chances in many games. We, you mentioned Newcastle last night. They could have easily scored three or four goals. But there is still that lack of balance. They still concede lots of chances and it doesn't strike you as the best kind of prospect to to go deep in the European Cup competition um, where, where things tend to tighten up towards the latter stages and you need to be better in terms of having a balance. So I don't know, I'm not convinced that this new PSG and the, their new identity, etc. is really cut out to have very different results. Mm. And Dortmund, how much trouble are they going to give? Uh, I'm not sure because Dortmund, there's two Dortmunds. One Dortmund in domestic competition who are very flaky, continue to be very unpredictable and have had some awful games in the Bundesliga and in the cup where they got knocked out. The Dortmund in the Champions League have ridden their luck occasionally. Certainly they did last night, but also have put all their best performances when the floodlights were on. So having won the group and maybe getting a little bit lucky in the last 16 round draw, you could see them getting into the quarterfinal. That's probably the extent of their capability. There's a lot of talk in Dortmund that they could do what Dortmund did in 2013 when they last made it to Wembley, uh, which is to surprise everyone and go on this amazing run. Back then they also won a group of death ahead of Real Madrid Ajax and the aforementioned Mancini Man City. The difference being that that was at the tail end of Jurgen Klopp's golden era. A team that had already won big things and was getting into the groove when it came to European football. I think this Dortmund team are not at the same level. Okay. They made it to the final in 2013 when it was last at Wembley. The team that beat them there, of course, are FC Bayern, who may have ambitions of a trip to Nice and again this coming May or early June or whenever it is. <laughs> the road to Nice. Yeah. Is it Nice or Wembley? <laughs> ah, it's kind of Nice, isn't it? You certainly pass through. Close to Nice. Nice. Mm. I think it's, I mean, it's, 
let's not Close quibble to Ikea. over, you know, metropolitan yeah. boundaries. Uh, but speaking of FC Bayern, they're up next as we discuss their performance and, you know, the fallout thereof Tuesday against Man United. Hi, I'm Ian Irving, host of Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. Twice a week, I'm joined by Andy Mitten, Carl Anker and Laurie Whitwell as we bring you the very best insight from inside Old Trafford. You'll get all you need to know on transfers, tactical analysis, dare I say takeovers and much, much more as we follow United home and away. You're not getting this anywhere else. So search for Talk of the Devils and listen wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Tuesday, FC Bayern already group winners. Ending their group stage campaign with a 1-0 at Old Trafford. Kingsley Coleman scoring the only goal of the game with a wonderful assist from Harry Kane. He's now got as many assists, Duncan. At Old Trafford, this isn't as Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> that, that can't be true. I mean, I'm sure some Man United fans hope for that in the summer, but as it's transpired, mm. maybe not. Finally opened his assist account. <laughs> Bayern, Rafa, bouncing back from that unpleasantness at the weekend. Yeah, that 5-1 defeat uh, away to Frankfurt on Saturday, I think, didn't play into United's hands. Bayern and that dead rubber from their perspective, but a bit of extra motivation to show a different face, to banish all that talk about this team falling apart and not being good enough. And you could see it. I mean, they weren't perhaps at 100% in terms of pushing and trying to score lots of goals. But defensively, they were very, very disciplined. They tried to work together as a team. There's a lot of commitment, a lot of tackles, a lot of running. And I think ultimately the better football team edged through in what was a game with very few clear-cut chances. Mm. I think both teams, even Ten Hag, who had to win, played more as if he didn't want to lose heavily. Right. Well, Charlie was suggesting almost that Newcastle wanted to win too much. Did it feel almost as if United didn't want it enough in classic football? I mean, the idea was to, I think, wait for Bayern to make a mistake and then play on the break. That's how they were set up. But that mistake never happened and Mm. the breaks never happened. And then when United had a bit more possession and pushed a bit more in the second half, they never really looked like, like scoring. And it's just that one measly shot on target from, <laughs> from Luke, Luke Shaw, Shaw yeah. Luke Shaw from uh, from quite a distance straight at Manu Noya in the 23rd minute so. and then nothing in the second half when they I really mean, had, had to go for the bench, it did they that was that you know they, who they, did they bring off the bench Rafa uh, Pelistri Mejbri and Mainu indeed alright and Johnny Evans <laughs> yeah and, and Johnny, Johnny Evans. Evans a win as it turned out wouldn't have helped United qualify as the Group's other game needed to finish in a draw for them to make second spot. It didn't Copenhagen with a 1-0 win over Galatasaray. It would at least, though, have given United the fig leaf of Europa League. And there are so many issues. They need to improve at passing, shooting, mm-hmm. etc. But, I, I mean, we can't ignore Onana's role in this. For all the problems that Ten Hag and the team have had, I can't recall seeing a team's European campaign quite so thoroughly <laughs> undone by one individual. <laughs> Well, it's time and time again. The first game against Galatasaray, United were absolutely steaming. First game was Bayern. They made a Sorry, the first game against Bayern, United looked great for the opening and then until he threw in one of his, and then against Galatasaray, Copenhagen. I mean, he did make that last-minute penalty save as well. Mm. So yeah, yeah, that's true. And it, it, it's very curious this season in the sense that last year he had the best goals prevented rate in the Champions League. Yeah. This season not at all well, you, but he's got what's he's less curious well is the fact that the man who's replaced him at Inter 
Sommer is, is again racking up clean sheets. I know what you did, Jan Sommer. Um, yeah, <laughs> and then United, you know, the, the Golden Glove holder from last season um, in the Premier League, mm. it still doesn't have kicking a glove. his heels. I mean, Andre Onana. I said in this very room in our pre-season preview that he'd be transformative for United, and I was right. I was absolutely right. He has been. He's been revelatory. Explain why uh, the events of this midweek, Rafa, were a major blow to England's hopes of securing a fifth Champions League spot in next season's for- new format. Because they need all the points they can get to finish as one of the two top federations who will get an extra place. Mm. And, and these everyone... are points that you pick up for victories in the Champions League and Europa League and Conference yeah, League. Yeah, points. Yeah, points and then extra points for progressing later on in the knockouts. And there was a lot of confidence going into this. Mm. Mm. that because of the historic performances of these English teams, uh, it was sort of kind of a given that they would do it. Now they've fallen uh, behind, where, where are they in Italy the position? It's what, Germany. Germany. Are they still yeah. first? Yeah, they're fourth, they're th- I think. Only fourth. I think they're still just oh, they third. But obviously we were recording this before the European Conference yeah. games. Anyway, I mean, they've, fallen, they've fallen behind. Right. And Italy have seven teams left. And Germany are first. So, so it might not be enough to finish fifth after all. Yeah. But it does mean that you might see United and Spurs and Newcastle fans cheering on City and Liverpool and Villa and West Ham. I mean, probably, I think if, if City won the Champions League again, Liverpool won the Europa League, probably be enough. Uh, Opta had a, have got a predictive model around it. And after the last set of games, it was an 80% chance that the Premier League would be one of the uh, federations getting, a, getting an extra place. So... Mm. I still believe <laughs> in the yeah. magic of coefficients. It's, it's a weird dynamic. Cause, I mean, it's kind of a double whammy. If you're a supporter of Tottenham or something like that, not only are United and Newcastle out, and you'd think they'll now be better in the league with freer game weeks, but also it means this could contribute to there being one less space. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah. I'm quite troubled by the notion that top four is no longer a target for somebody who's not quite there for the title, but it wants to have a prestigious season. Still, um, how exactly will the new format take shape? Well. <laughs> so there's eight games yes. against eight different One opponents. big group. One big group, but they're seeded yes. in four different sections. Mm. And then you will play two games against each section. At random. Okay. So eight different... Not complete random. They're not going to ring you up in the morning and go, you've got to get to Copenhagen. <laughs> that would be brilliant. That is true. That, that would is, actually be that good. That would be amazing. Not quite and you can't random. use your mobile phone or anything to get there, yeah. to get to Galatasaray. The first eight teams qualify directly for knockout. Okay. The next 16 teams play a playoff to get into the knockout. Mm-hmm. And all the others are gone. So the, the phrase sneaking into the top eight will become a thing from next season. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. One interesting feature of all of this. Oh, there is one? There is one. In order to keep it competitive, even though you know pretty early on probably whether you're going to make the top 24 and will be still with a shot of qualifying, is that there will be a seeded system, not just for the knockout draw that follows, hmm. but throughout the tournament. So if you finish first and second, they will put you at different parts of the draw, Ooh. as in tennis. Ah. And that way, mm. in theory, we should have a bigger games as we, Forever. as we progress. <laughs> which some will say takes away the romance of the, you know, the obscure team that somehow... Mm. falls through the cracks and ends up in a semi-final at the same time I think it's going to be pretty cool for the entertainment and quality the blockbuster value, value of the I think stages, it's yeah. going to be fun for the first couple of years anyway because it's just a bit different mm. I think 20, 20 years of the current format felt a little bit tired mm. by well end. one breath of fresh air are Copenhagen we're into the last 16 for, I think, the first time in 12 years with that 1-0 win against Galatasaray. The Danes, you know, for fans of such things, have a budget of about the 20th of that of Man United's. Hmm. All right, Man United, next up, we'll be travelling to Anfield. We'll be looking at that and the rest of the Premier League weekend next. All right, listeners, Tony Evans here, host of Walk On, your dedicated Liverpool podcast from The Athletic. Myself, James Pearce and Simon Hughes will be here every week on Wednesday this season as we bring you all the news and views that you could possibly ever want from the club. 
and James brings you a at the match pod after every Premier League game, and it's really good, you know. Listen for free wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to follow and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We're sponsored for this episode of the Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Football Content Awards International Podcast of the Year. Premier League match day 17 starts on Friday evening. Forest hosting Spurs. Are you going to be there, Charlie? I'm not, actually. Okay. No, I can't make this one. Sorry I asked. <laughs> Saturday, there's only one game on TV. It's not Bournemouth-Luton, nor is it Chelsea-Sheffield United. Is it perhaps Man City against Crystal Palace? No. <laughs> and neither is it Newcastle facing Fulham. No, it's Burnley-Everton. Because Sean Dyche, Turf Moor. Tough place to go. Mm. I mean, it'll be an emotional return. It will. Mm. Sunday, similarly intriguing pick by the TV Supremos. Out of the three two o'clock games, there's Arsenal, Brighton, Brentford, Aston Villa and West Ham Wolves. Which have they gone for? West Ham Wolves. That's correct. In the last month, games in the Sunday 2pm slot to be broadcast live on Sky Sports have been West Ham Palace, West Ham Forest, mm. and now West Ham Wolves. There's your Olympic legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Isn't this something that could change? Because as yeah. it stands, they, those games are still viewed in the same way as the 3pm blackout games are. Because oh, yeah, the, that's part of the new So that's going to change. So that, and that will be good. So that yeah. suddenly these Sunday 2pms, rather than just having West Ham mm. televised, all of them will be. The season after next. Hmm. Anyway, later on on Sunday is the big one. Liverpool, Man United. What happened last time uh, Man United visited Anfield? This. It's a long time since I've been as confident about a Liverpool win against United. This is a difficult place for United to come. Oh, it's a Super Bowl. Gakpo is onto it. It's Cody Gakpo! Reach Harvey Elliott here. You can have setbacks, but what can't happen is that you don't stick together. And Gakpo! They're carving Manchester United apart here! In that second half today, they were unprofessional. And it falls for Salah! That Manchester United group of players have been eaten alive in that second half. Lifted in by Henderson. Cherry on the icing on the cake. It's madness. It's cool, absolutely cool. Fantastic night for all our people. There you go. That was Liverpool 7, Man United 0 last March. Nine months later, Liverpool are leading the league and Man United are more or less in the same old mess, maybe worse, would but, you say? Yeah. But, but that, that sort of period... Is ex- sort of summarises Ten Hag's United up. They did go on a good run, largely beating teams you'd expect them to beat, and mm. then they had a tough away game, and it came crashing down. And, and I was on a few weeks ago and got a bit of half-hearted flack after they beat Everton for kind of questioning how significant their run of five wins from six was, because mm. as soon as they play someone good away from home, they lose. All right. Basically. I mean, that, it is staggering. So the teams that came in the top nine last season, other than United. 
United played eight games. Right. How many points did they get from those there's, eight games? No, none, is it? One point. One point right. And that one point came against the Spurs team who just lost 6-1 at Newcastle and were on their third manager in four weeks. Right. <laughs> this season, those same teams, they've played three away from home. How many points? None. It's none. Oh, none yeah. <laughs> That's one point from 11 games. Like That is staggeringly poor okay. over, over a decent sample size. Charlie, how ugly do you think this is going to get? Because United didn't just lose a match midweek, they also lost Harry Maguire yeah. and Luke Shaw. And, ooh, Bruno Fernandes, who admittedly didn't cover himself in glory in the 7-0 last March, is also out suspended. Yeah. Uh, I think they'll lose comfortably. Mm. I saw somewhere they haven't scored at Anfield. Yeah. yeah. They haven't scored at Anfield since 2018 in really? what was Mourinho's last game. And these um, games used to be so tight. Like it was, you know, back in the Ferguson era, even when Liverpool were struggling, there was always, a, they weren't particularly good games, but they would always be pretty close. And then, you know, recently a lot of games between the big six have become a little bit basketball-y. And back, mm. But I mean, that 7-0 last season, you know, Liverpool were in a bad way at that point. And yeah, even the one before that, they lost 4-0 no, in, uh, during Ralph Rangnick's tenure. Yeah. Yeah. I think Ten Hag is going to try and use the Bayern blueprint and be ultra compact and have three holding midfielders, at least two very defensive ones and not expose the back four. A pretty depleted back four, I should say. And Liverpool sometimes still find it hard to break down teams that sit very deep. We saw that against Luton, for example. So it's not going to be... I think that easy until the first that goals, first goal. If, if United get a, get a lead, they might better, you know, batten down the hatches. But if Liverpool score first and early, then uh-oh. And it's mm. obviously the, the new stand is partially open as well. Oh. Liverpool, so there'll be f- nearly 57,000 fans roaring them up. More well, fans all. able to suck the ball in. Yeah, from both ends. Yeah. <laughs> um, that might cancel itself out. Oh, uh, yeah, just bobbing around the, uh, like <laughs> the halfway line. Yeah. I mean, um, I saw somewhere suggested, and this is just a theory, but I thought it was interesting. Do you remember when United played Liverpool in what would have been Ten Hag's third game? And United were coming into it off the back of two defeats. And so Ten Hag went a bit more pragmatic and just said, OK, let's try and get a result, which they did. But it's been suggested that that kind of set a blueprint for rather than kind of imposing a style of play, they've just tried to be a bit more kind of reactive and go from week to week. And I think there might be something in that because they have just kind of looked a bit lacking in identity mm. throughout. And when you hear and when you hear managers, this has been a lot in the news recently because of Postacoglu being wedded to way of playing and people might think, well, come on, you've got to compromise. But there is a balance because if you compromise too much, you're just left with kind of what Ten Hag United are a bit. I, I don't I I just don't really know what they are, what they're trying meh. to be. They're mm, just a bit meh, meh yeah. United, and yeah. It, and it can work against uh, the lesser teams in inverted commas the Premier League but mm. as soon as mm-hmm. as soon as they go away against someone good it all unravels but that's why it's so disappointing because we saw some signs of improvement last year they had better results there was beginning to emerge I think an idea of what Ten Hag wanted to do and then what we thought was okay second season more investment he's going to shape the team around his ideas you know he's influenced by Ajax he was at Bayern when Guardiola was there. We thought this is going to be sort of the United that will emerge. But what he's done is, I think, in kind of desperation rather than than by design, has gone back to being very pragmatic and trying to nick games on the break because he doesn't trust his team to be more expensive mm. at this point. And last season, of course, what what was the catalyst for that run was getting rid of a ill-tempered Portuguese star. This time, Bruno Fernandes is out <laughs> suspended. Uh, what does that actually mean in practical terms to Man United's options for this game? I don't is know. Is it I mean, massive? Well, I think it is significant, mm. yeah. I mean, for all that he irritates people, he, he is very good and he's very important to how they play. But as Duncan says, they might just you know go more defensive, bring in another defensive midfielder uh, in place of him. I mean, they might have some of those players missing... Uh, from midweek back. I mean, Rashford was out ill, wasn't he? So mm, Ill, but he hasn't featured either after, you know, friction. I issues. mean, you look at the signings, to, to Raf's point about the, the second season, you know, Nana, we, we talked about um, Hoyland's done okay in the Champions League but hasn't scored yet in the Premier League. Um, Mason Mount barely done anything. Um, Amrabat came in and mm. not, doesn't Sancho. look... Sancho. 
Well, Sancho, Sancho and, was already there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but, but I mean, but last summer signings as well. When mm. you look at some of those, you know, Anthony. I mean, that is a yeah. huge amount of money on somebody who's not very good. Casemiro, who who was really good in parts last season, but you know hasn't been able to play the season, and and that always felt a bit risky given the age he was at when they signed him. Mm. The conversational black hole. The tractor beam of Man United misery sucking us in once again. Liverpool, top of the league. Mo Salah ready to go. He, Klopp, they'll be really looking forward to this game, Raf. I don't think you ever really look forward to, to that kind of game. No? Even if you're big favourites for the team, because then the possibility of failure and mm. what it means becomes sort of mm. more daunting. But, yeah, I think Liverpool at the moment are happy to just go and outscore anyone. Whether that is the most promising strategy to win a big title I'm not so sure I'd like to see a bit more balance in the team and I think the fact that they still haven't fully solved the holding midfield situation um, Jurgen Klopp talking up uh, Mataro Endo but I still think this he's not quite there yet uh, McAllister isn't a natural defensive midfielder he's more of a number eight and at times you see that uh, that Liverpool can't quite protect their back four as well as they as they want to and when the guys up front are a little bit less on it when it comes to gig and pressing which has been the case on some occasions then they concede goals and too many goals I think for for Jürgen's liking still they're top of the league and they're not playing early this weekend so there's that put a smile on Jürgen's face do you think that's funny? <laughs> Liverpool are trying to do something very unusual almost unprecedented in Premier League history I'm quite unsettled by this. <laughs> yeah, it was quite scary. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's disrespectful. Um, Liverpool are trying to do something almost unprecedented, mm. and that is win the Premier League playing Thursday night European football. Mm. Incredibly rare that happens. I think, and this is kind of off the top of my head, so people can correct me if it's wrong, it's happened once before. And that was in 2011 12 when Man City dropped out of the Champions League went into the Europa League, played a couple of rounds there and went on to still win the Premier League. So it, and I, and obviously part of that, the reason that is, is because the best teams aren't in the Europa League, but it is also, it has tended to be a disadvantage for teams. So it'll be interesting to see how Liverpool manage that in the second half of the season. All right. Once they can't rotate quite so much, probably. For now, they have that one point lead over Arsenal, who'll be hosting Brighton this weekend. Villa are close behind two points off the top. They'll be visiting Brentford. City, who are now four points back, are hosting Crystal Palace. Mentioned the European champions making it six out of six midweek. No Erling Haaland in that game away at Svensvesda. And still in doubt for this weekend, although Pep says that he should be fit for the Club World Cup, which they'll be jetting off to as soon as they've finished their business with Crystal Palace. Palace actually have uh, given City a scare mm. or two. In fact, their recent record at the Etihad, in the last five visits, they've lost two, drawn one, and also won two. Mm. And they were 2 that, up last season, weren't yeah. they, in the game they lost? It ended 4-2 for yeah. City. But but <laughs> Town, that counts as a scare. That Andros Townsend goal there. Yes. One of, one of the all-time greats. It's truly had to be dealt with and was by Stones. Andros Townsend! A flash of brilliance! All right, well, it'll be interesting to see how they get on in that before, as I say, heading off to Saudi Arabia for that business there. Arsenal. I mean, Man City, sorry, mm. just something on Man City. Um, I saw this, that they don't play a, t- a team that's currently in the top half of the Premier League until March. So they are set fair. Given how efficient City normally are at putting away teams that they should put away, mm. I do think their sort of distance from the top is maybe a little misleading because I feel like they are one of those mad runs that they go on is brewing. Mm. How many games will they be behind when they come from, come back from the Club World Cup? I don't know how many they miss. I just mean, one, it's just one, one, isn't it? Yeah. They miss Brentford at home. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and that's the only one, which I guess for them is annoying. It means Tony will be back when they play it, but then maybe Haaland will be back. Maybe Tony won't be at Brentford when they Possibly. play that game. I'm not sure when it's rescheduled for. Arsenal, meantime, who are a point off the top, as we mentioned, host Brighton, who have actually won on their last three visits to the Emirates in all competitions, including a terrific result last May when they beat Arsenal 3-0. Arsenal haven't lost at the Emirates since then. The Seagulls, as we've all spotted, are not in the greatest of form themselves. They do have a key Thursday night game against Marseille 
Is that home or away? Is that velodrome? Home. Yeah, home, home yeah. the Amex. There is a velodrome in Brighton, Preston Park, but it's less impressive. It's not there. Mm. Okay. But that's a match they have to win to top the group. Anyway, yeah. Any thoughts on Arsenal, Brighton? Well, yeah, it is an interesting one because Brighton have done really well there. And even before then, they've, they've got some wins before that current run of three. And that one in... Um, in May, where they won 3-0, Brighton was superb. I mean, Brighton have this weird... I think every game in the Premier League this season, they've both scored and conceded, mm. which is extraordinary. And Arsenal very rarely keep clean sheets at home, mm. in the league anyway. So you'd expect goals in it. I mean, Arsenal really need to win that to bounce back after losing to Villa and keep the pressure on Liverpool. Um, but I, yeah, I think, I think that'll be a very uh, good game to watch. Okay. Villa themselves will be at Brentford Sunday at 2 o'clock. Again, not on telly. As that Arsenal one for all that you might want to watch it, Charlie, no. Uh, but anyway, Villa at Brentford. They also are in Thursday night action. They've got Conference League. They're away in Bosnia against Rinsky. Doing it for the coefficient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, our brave point boys. to progress. Very good. Uh, what else is happening this weekend? We'll, we'll talk about that next. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to that own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Oh, it's December 14th, everybody. Happy Fabio Capello appointed England Manager Day to those who celebrate. You remember those brave days 16 years ago when the super successful, super disciplinarian mm. Capello came in to whip mm. the, Classic. let's be frank, spoiled three lines. Uh, yeah. They were spoiled. They were. What did you think when you heard the news, Duncan? What, what dreams filled your young heart? Well, it was very much that era when England just flitted between manager types. So at that point, it was deemed that we needed a, a harsh discipline. And, and, you know, who better than, than Big Fab to come in with his index? And it worked um, for the qualifying stages. Yeah, they And how. Yeah. <clears throat> Looked good against Platinum Stars in the build-up to the World Cup, but less so in the actual World Cup. People Shame say... We never saw the index ratings for his players. We mm. didn't. Huh. We did see we them take them on Algeria in possibly the worst England performance ever in the World Cup. Nice to hear your old fans are building. Yeah. It's still, is it home or own? Is it home, he says? It's one of the great mysteries mm. of our time. It's very mm. weird. Because it's quite a weird thing to say, nice to see your home fans booing you, which I think is what he says, but mm. it's quite jarring. Well, we, we know what he meant. Though. We know what he meant, yeah. But that, that was that's also the game which saw the owl. So untroubled was the Algerian goal that... I'm pretty sure some that form of does avian, ring a bell now you say avian visitor <laughs> settled on the crossbar and observed the distant proceedings. And a Twitter account was probably set up from mm, yeah. it was a real crossbar. Of a game. <laughs> anyway, uh, James, yeah. you were saying, was this the worst England performance ever yes. at World Cup? Yeah, two games I think, later, I think yeah. it's up there. <laughs> okay, but I would um, propose that maybe. England's win over Ecuador Oof. in 2006. Yeah, that was grim. That was, was even worse. Well, that was the only game, game I've yeah. ever seen mm. live in the stadium where I fell asleep. <laughs> well, really? I mean, so did some of the players. Wasn't that the game where Paul Robinson hit the jumbotron with a, yeah, with a kick? So, right. again, another... <laughs> another bit of football and, heritage. And Beckham threw up on the pitch, mm. which I think and was the fitting... The winner, to be fair, didn't was they? the fitting... 
description of what what was being yeah. shown. But but I mean, Rafa, you could have rubbed it in our face even more. The two games after this Algeria game was the Germany four one defeat, which was the also which pretty ropey. Var. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Goal and technology. Goal and technology. Anyway. Oh yeah. Frankie Lamps. Just yeah. just slightly over there. Yeah, line. but England weren't that bad in the first half. First half. The second yeah, half. F- yes. F- things fell apart. The second half. Things unravelled. It was strange seeing Mesut Ozil outpay someone. Gareth Barry. <laughs> yeah. In that case. Charges yeah. past him. Mm. Producer Charlie uh, just uh, intervening there actually to say that no owl settled on the crossbar. It was actually a pigeon. Oh. Uh, so I have seen an owl though. Uh, in some game. I'm sorry. A, on the bar. He didn't just dream this. Oh, yeah? This happened in a game, but I don't know which one. All right. Pigeon, anyway. Undertaken a a former footballing coup. Very nice, Duncan. Shall we return to the other delights that await us in Match Day 17 of the Premier League, which begins actually on Friday night. Not only Forrest will be hosting Spurs. Forrest, who are uncomfortably close to the bottom three, I would suggest they're only five points now above 18th place. Luton. Spurs... Up at the other end, lying three points off the top four, which is a, a kind of legacy nomenclature yeah. that I cling to. Should we be discussing top fives? I don't know. But the Totally Football Show, as we've mentioned, is sponsored by Google Pixel. And on Sunday, Charlie, you were at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for Spurs thrashing of Newcastle. Let's just have a little report from you, a little something uh, enabled by Google Pixel that we're calling Beyond the Frame. Everything you're about to hear has been recorded using Google Pixel's Audio Magic Eraser tool. That means that instead of our journalists' audio being drowned out by the crowd, the audio sounds just the way the journalist you're about to hear wants you to. You'll hear them loud and clear thanks to Audio Magic Eraser removing distracting sounds in Beyond the Frame. Requires Google Photos app. May not work on all images or all audio elements. Something I spotted today quite early on, there was a lot of uh, chatter before the games, whether it was going to be Son on the left or Richarlison on the left and who'd be through the middle. In the end, Spurs went with Son on the left and Richarlison in the middle and it really paid off. But what was interesting early on, set the tone for the game, was how high Son was playing. He was nominally as a left winger, but he was often actually ahead of Richarlison who was dropping in. Uh, and it reminded me a bit of the, you know, the days where Kane would do that role and, and Son would be playing on the left. but would almost be playing as a striker. So right from the start, Son was right high up against Kieran Trippier, trying to push him back. We then saw Son getting the two assists. And I think early on, he just really spooked Trippier with that positioning. You could see the Newcastle defenders constantly having to keep an eye on him. Um, so it really sets a, a template, you think, for Foster Coglu as a way to use Son um, in that kind of inside forward role. And uh, yeah, it paid off. And ultimately a 4-1 win for Tottenham. Beyond the Frame with Google Pixel. Thank you, Charlie. Forest Spurs this weekend. History. Bit of history to this one. Mm. You're thinking 1991 FA Cup final rematch. Clough against Venables. Gaza doing his knee with that tackle. Yeah. I'm also thinking about... Yeah, the card for me, yeah. Yeah, the fixture in Faraway 2022. When do you recall... Oh, disgusting. Spurs are 2-0 up. Absolutely disgusting. And Richarlison decides it's time to juggle the ball on the sideline and the Forest players exact their revenge. for showboating at this level. Maybe it's not right, but... But it does wind people up. It's it not does. right. You can't just go and boot people. You can't no. do that. But what's he doing? Wasn't it Brennan Johnson? It was. Yeah, yeah it was. Um, I mean, that, that was such a ridiculous Ferrari. Like, yeah, that was a know, great Ferrari. Proper, really? Which bit was ridiculous? Well, the proper football men emerging from hedges immediately saying that this is... The but what, what was good about it as well was the narrative was going like, yeah, well, Richardson got his comeuppance, he got kicked. It was kind of like, he did exactly what he wanted. Yeah. He was doing it to wind people and up also, and he served men- that purpose. You mentioned Gaza. Yes. Like, if there's videos of someone like Gaza doing that in the 90s or 80s, everyone's like, look, the football's better than that. <laughs> when someone does it now, it's like, it's disgusting. Mm. The game's gone. Like, just some consistency, please. All right. On sh- around showboating. Or, or common sense. Yeah. Or, yeah. Richarlison and Brennan Johnson, as you mentioned, will both, well, should both be involved in this fixture on mm. Friday night. Uh, Brennan Johnson now turning out for the other side. Has it gone under the radar that he's been really good for Spurs recently? Um, he has been good. He, he's an interesting player. I mean, he, he seems very smart and takes up really good positions and... Um, 
yeah, he's getting chances and things like that. I think if he can add a more clinical edge to his game, he hit the woodwork twice against Newcastle. It feels like it could click for him. It hasn't quite yet, just the one goal. But no, he he looks like he'll he'll understand the system well and he is a threat. But yeah, once some of these start going in, I think that'll make a big difference to his confidence. Okay, Spurs may need that because of course at the moment they're very reliant on the goals of Sun Hyung Min, 10 in his last 13, and he will be off to the Asian Cup in January if it could be up to a month. Yeah, depending on how they do, which you'd think would be pretty well, mm. unfortunately for Spurs. When he gave Kieran Trippier such a hard time on, on Sunday... Uh, I was really hoping for some involvement of another Newcastle player to come up with the Sonny and Cher headline, but it just didn't. It just never happened. That has happened before. They has both, it? They, well, they both scored in a game in April 2022. So, yeah, people it. were able to do Missed that then, it. yeah. Steve Cooper still in charge of Forest. Long may that continue, say many Forest fans. They have had back-to-back-home defeats. Uh, we'll see how this one goes Friday evening. Just a point behind... Forest coming into this round of matches are Everton, a team who themselves have three straight victories and, perhaps more importantly, a fire of righteous indignation burning in their bellies. Also, a team that has a 5.30 tea time, prime time slot on telly against uh, Burnley for Sean Dyche's return to Turf Moor. Hmm. Looking forward to this. Are you? Yeah, it's going to remind me of the Nicolas Cage vehicle face-off. Face-off. Two things you used to think you knew. Swapped around. Right. You know. So you're saying that Burnley are now... John Travolta. <laughs> and but Burnley have adopted almost Evertonian well, entertaining Well, a, a style. more sort of established Premier League style, shall we say. Uh-huh. And, and Everton are very much, you know, going right. from the Dutch playbook. There's not much that's looking established in Premier League about uh, Burnley, although they have had a slight uptick in fortune yeah. today. They look all right. Okay. If it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If it's really football's version of Face Off, it'll feature a lot of pigeons, of course. Were there a lot of pigeons? Yeah, John Woo, every John Woo film is oh, a. Of course, of course. Famous pigeon shootout. Very good. And I think we should pay yep. tribute to what Deitch has done. In the, you know, he. Yes. You know, Everton have goals per 100 set pieces. They lead the Premier League this season. They're, they're incredibly fit. They just. I think people don't praise Deitch enough for. People know what he's going to do to a team, but he does. Yeah. he'll do it. But they, they'd be tenth without that points deduction. Mm. Indeed, and I think what people thought he was going to do to Everton is not actually what seems to be happening. They 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 seem to be a more expansive, creative team than we're used to seeing from him. Would you say that's fair? I think they're still playing fairly direct, but they are doing it well. And you know, he's he's concentrated a lot on fitness, and you know, actually keeping Calvert Lewin fit and effective is that's almost a managerial miracle, anyway. So, mm. um, and it is very easy. It's quite handy they got deducted ten points because it's quite an easy number to add on to the total. Very much so. nine would have been a bit annoying. Um, Everton won't have Jared Branthwaite. He's suspended. That is a loss. And also, Drisa Gay is also out. So that may play a part in the outcome of that game. We'll find out. I mean, we don't know, haven't looked at the weather report, but obviously Deitch in the snow at Turf Moor is one of the great images of mm. the Premier League era. So. Shirt sleeves, do you think? Yeah, it was in his shirt sleeves. Mm. Bottom of the table are Sheffield United, who will be visiting Chelsea, who are now 12th. Luton, who are also in the bottom three now, are at Bournemouth for what is the first ever Premier League meeting between these two clubs. That's Saturday at 3 o'clock, you can't watch it. I mean, Chelsea just, I mean, they referencing Everton's points deduction again, mm. taking that into account. F- five teams have mm. picked up fewer points than Chelsea this season. If we say that, you know, Everton picked mm. up more and then got taken yeah. away. That, that is five. staggering. Five teams, three of whom are the promoted teams who... So they would be 15th without that points deduction. Reference. Well, goal difference would mean ah, they're higher. Okay. All right. But yeah, mm. it's pretty desperate. Okay. They've won, Chelsea have won nine league games this year. Which is one more than Valt Veghorst. So they got that at least. <laughs> Will they make it 10 this weekend when they this host Sheffield year, United? Yeah. Chris Wilder, can he make it three defeats in a row for Pochettino? He's got it in his locker. Chris Wilder was the manager for Pochettino's final game at Spurs. Is that right? Mm. What happened in that one? They drew 1-1. Mm. Okay. What do you think, Raph? Do you, do you mm. fancy the Blades... To cause further disruption. Every time Ridge. I'm thinking Chelsea are beginning to get their act together and surely a team coached by Pochettino with some of the individual players off quality cannot cannot play as badly, then they they plumb new depths. 
on that basis, I'd probably expect him to bounce back and show a reaction and win this game. Mm. I think Christopher Nkunku coming in mm. will be, unlike Onana, a very positive, <laughs> transformative... Do you think he, he might feature this weekend already? I think he's very close, mm. very close. Um, I think he is so good that he will make single-handedly a massive difference, even though attacking players have had a really hard time making any sort of impact at Chelsea for the last, uh, I don't know, two years? Two decades. Feels, yeah, I was going to say. It feels yeah. like a long, long time. <laughs> long, old Since did you drop by Shevchenko, yeah. Yeah. Um, Torres. Anyway, I, th- I got a feeling that maybe the Chelsea renaissance and fight back will start this weekend. This weekend against the re-energised Chris Wilder Blades. We shall see. As I mentioned, the other game featuring a bottom two side, a bottom three side is Luton's trip to Bournemouth, who are very much in form. Five wins in their last seven. Dominic Solanke averaging a goal every two games. Should be a good one, that, do you think? I mean, we should point out that a few weeks ago, some people were saying, mm. well, was Derby's 11-point record under threat this season? Well, by the end of this weekend, all the bottom three could have 11 points or more. So, mm. it just no one will ever beat that Derby record. Yeah. It's unbeatable. Mm. West Ham Wolves is the televised game. Meantime, Sunday, 2 o'clock, getting us uh, warmed up, fluffing <laughs> us up for <laughs> the, Liverpool the Man one, yeah. United. It's a, it's a good little yeah. amuse-bouche. Go on, then. Well, I say... Yeah, it's quite good. I mean, I think you made the point earlier, and I think it is actually a key thing that if a team's been on telly a lot recently, mm. it, it does kind of... You want a bit of a variety, don't you? But yeah, I mean, fresh from West Ham Palace, do we need West Ham Wolves? I don't think we do. Arguably not. Yeah, but it could turn out to be the game of the round, although West Ham will be coming off Thursday night football. They're hosting Freiburg in a showdown for top spot in their Europa League group. Oh, Raf, you and I will be enjoying that and all the rest of the Europa and Conference League games because we'll be doing a roundup late Thursday. Perhaps listening, you're in time still to catch it. 10.30, we're on air with a whole hour and a half, which seems like a lot, but it flies by, Duncan. Mm. I'm going to tune in. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, tune in's a kind of, it's a very old fashioned yeah, not, description of what you're going to be doing. You're going to be I'm going to activate the Discovery Plus app on my go. smart TV. You have to go past the documentaries and there's sport and there it is. There it is. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, yes, that's coming up. Well, that's Thursday night viewing, but uh, this is Sunday lunchtime viewing and I, for one, am looking forward to it. Producer Charlie stuck his head around the window again. Give us a wave, Producer Charlie. That's for you if you're watching on our YouTube channel. Charlie wants uh, everyone to know that he's uh, well and is being treated very fairly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you wrote that in capitals, a bit weird. Um. <laughs> anyway, anyway uh, yeah, no, what uh, Charlie wanted to say was that he felt we hadn't given enough attention to Newcastle Fulham, which I mentioned in passing amidst our Champions League review. We should probably celebrate Raul Jimenez's long-awaited yeah. return to Fulham. Yeah. Well, I mean, we did on, mon- on Sunday night mm. stroke Monday morning, but... Yeah, it really does look like he's back. It's what, four in three or something crazy like that? Three in two and in the Premier similar League. Numbers. Yeah, <laughs> <very> similar numbers. Yeah, very similar. Not necessarily um, in that order. But he's yeah. looking to score in three consecutive league games for the first time since November 2019, the third game of which was against Eddie Howe's Bournemouth. Oh my goodness. Look so. at you, you came correct with your stats. Mm. Are Fulham going to inflict further misery on the Magpies this weekend? Well, you'd imagine so, given how Newcastle have been defending. Mm. Um and they, they have looked so fatigued. They definitely got it up, if you'll excuse the expression, for uh, Wednesday's game at St. James's Park. But with that gone, the, the deflation could be a very flat atmosphere there. Mm. Or maybe not. The Geordies may be roaring their boys on. Got it up, but just couldn't keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame, isn't it? Fulham, there you go. Yeah, Newcastle seven points off top four. They do. They need something. Okay. Where are Fulham now? Tenth. Hmm. Probably the most under-the-radar team in the Premier League this season, I'd say. Just yeah. Because they're just... You know, where's, the, where's the radar? The radar is in the River Thames <laughs> near Fulham's but ground. When you say under-the-radar, <laughs> that suggests that they've been kind of like tunnelling under the rest and now going to pop up in well, the top four, but they're 10th, Duncan. Yeah, but they're playing well. They could go on a little run, Yeah. get fifth. Yeah, well, if that happens... Back-to-back back 5-0, that took them... The radar picked that up, didn't it? But I, yeah. I know what you mean. And even la- I mean, last season they were story for a bit, but they then were they were nowhere, safe. And, and now we're like... noticing the fact that they're tenth. Yeah, but I, they're the coming force. Isn't it? Okay, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. In West London, 
Yeah. Yeah. Sure, actually, there's a little cluster of West London. 10th, 11th, 12th is... They're ahead of Brentford? Yeah, yeah. yeah so they are team. the kings of West London right Boom. Now. Maybe they should um, combine, have an 18-team mm. Premier League, help the England team. <laughs> All right. Happy now, producer Charlie. There you go. <laughs> so that's coming up on when, Charlie? On Saturday at 3 p.m. Saturday, 3 p.m. Excellent. Enjoy it. If you're able to see it or get along to the game at St. James's, we, of course, will be running up the Premier League action straight after the final whistle of Liverpool Man United on Sunday evening. That will be with you very late Sunday, probably early Monday morning. So I do hope you'll be joining us for that. For now, many, many thanks to you, Raphael Honigstein, Duncan Alexander, Charlie. Give our regards to Big Ange. Will do. To producer Charlie and Rachel in the booth. And to you, listener and viewer. We'll see you soon. For now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.